0: Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber and I'm joined by
1: Andy Germuga, number one Carl Orf Stan, Cullen Ashley, Emilio Diaz.
0: Do we want Cullen to explain that or no? I,
1: don't I can. So. All right. No.
0: Okay. Uh, a little later, we're going to be joined by Ethan Brundine to talk about Green Knight and Excalibur. But first, we have just a little bit of New York Film Festival news. They have announced two more sections. We now have three out of five sections announced. We talked about the main slate last week, and we now have revivals and spotlight. And we are waiting on Currents. And then uh, there's the talks and special events section. So
1: <laughs> we have. Never mind. Sorry.
0: <laughs> who would like to talk about revivals? I can do it. Great.
1: So, this is just alphabetical order of the films' titles. Mm-hmm. So first, there's Adoption, the Marta Misaros Mizor- movie. Uh, It's a Hungarian movie from 1975. Um, New 4K restoration. It won the Golden Bear when it played Berlin that year. Um, About a factory worker who meets like a young girl uh, who's like a troubled teenager and they're sort of you know she wanted to have a kid and she's like getting to know this youth and having a relationship with her. It's like uh i haven't seen any of her movies but she's like sort of a um landmark like female filmmaker and uh has i think there was a big tcm thing last year about her or and like i think a, a big movie thing also she's been like getting her films like restored and seen a lot recently i believe uh next is john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 Uh, which is the new 4K restoration that has been announced um, that's getting, like, a 4K release um, for, like, home video. um, And this is the world premiere of it. Um, Then the uh, Nina Minkus movie, The Bloody Child, uh, which is, like, a war movie with real – or made with her sister, who I think this is, like – She collaborated with her sister a lot, and this is their last collaboration together, I believe. And it's also got, like, real soldiers in it uh, about the Gulf War from 1996, uh, the film. Um, Next is Michael Powell's Bluebeard's Castle from 1963. It's also the world premiere of its restoration, uh, the second-to-last movie he made without Pressburger... Um, about the famous like fairy tale fable, Bluebeard, which um I've really seen like a lot of Bluebeard content this year. <laughs> like I saw the cat Katrine Brier Bluebeard, which is incredible, and there was another movie I saw like around that time that was based on the Bluebeard store Oh no, it's the piano. Um King Campaign's a the piano. There's a big Bluebeard uh play that they put on in it. Um which had the bluest beard. Next is Chameleon Street, the Wendell <laughs> B. Harris Jr. movie, which I had not heard of. This movie had either anyone anyone else had heard of it.
0: I had not heard of it, but I have now heard that it is really excellent from some. It, people. it
1: seems great. It's like about, um, this con artist from Detroit, who, like, would just impersonate, sort of like a Catch Me If You Can thing. He would just impersonate all these like different professions and get all this money and like just have Mm -hmm. these jobs and like on the Wikipedia for it or whatever. It like says that he successfully performed like 13 surgery or like 36 surgeries. And it's just really interesting that he uh, was this guy and that, you know, uh, Harris made this movie based on his life and it is like from uh, 1990 and it's this, you know, new 4k restoration about and it it just seems like a very like uh a a landmark movie of its time that like i haven't heard of and it's uh something to be excited about it's like one that i'm like maybe
0: (laughs) grand jury prize at at sundance and it was it was the year after sex lies and videotape and i think i read that Soderbergh was the president of the jury and like kind of tried to champion it and it is seen as a bummer that it was not nearly as, like, successful as, yeah. uh, Sex, Lies, and Video It sounds like part of what happened is Warner Brothers bought it because they thought they might want to do, like, a bigger budget remake, but then they, like, yeah. never bothered to release it. That's crazy. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Um... The restorations by Arbelos, who I yeah. feel like is a name. Uh, they
0: Bellos do. Himself. They've done some Bellatar restorations. Right. Uh, um, Belladonna of Sadness, I think, was them. Yes, they yes, do yes, good yes. work.
1: Um, next is James Baldwin from Another Place, which is a short. It's screening uh, by, with
0: Uh, Kerminian Street.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, and it's by Sadat Piquet and it's just a, a sort of documentary about uh, of just this 12-minute talk, basically, that James Baldwin's giving, like, in his apartment uh, where he was just, like, being film talking. Um, next is Joan Mac- uh, Micklin Silver's Hester Street, who I feel like is very much having, like, a resurgence. Uh, she passed away last year, and, it, like, everyone was... Watching Between the Lines, um, and like Crossing Delancey. Uh, I've seen a few. I've seen Chilly um, Scenes of Winter and A Fish in the Bathtub, and they're both excellent. Um, and this one is Carol Kane, um, which she got nominated for an Oscar, and it's like this immigration story based on the novel Yekel, A Tale of the New York Ghetto. Um, But it's a new restoration um, from the original 35 print. Uh, And it, you know, seems great. Everyone likes most of her, if not all of her movies, I think, that they've seen. And it's good that a lot of them are getting this sort of treatment. Which, like, weirdly, Fish in the Bathtub, like, you can't buy anywhere. There's, like, no good copy of it. Except on free streaming service Tubi. There's, like, a very good, like... Either like 480 or like even higher quality like DVD copy of it on Tubi, um, which is just like great. It's it's a, a really funny movie. Um, next is Kumari by Govindran Aravindan from 1979. This one is, um, I feel like, oh right, right, yes, yeah. This uh, I didn't I didn't know much about Aravindan, um, but he was or they're part of the, um, the parallel cinema movement with like Satyajit Ray. Um, and this is the, you know, film foundation, world cinema project did the restoration. Next is Mira Nair's Mississippi masala, uh, Washington and Sarita Chowdhury, who I'm sure you all talk about later. (laughs) Because she's in Green Knight. Um, (laughs) um, But, uh, you know, famous movie. Everyone loves this one. There's going to be a... There was a... um, It's going to be new for Criterion, I believe. uh, Mm -hmm. The 4K restoration. And Ed Lockman and Mirnair were like... They oversaw the restoration. (laughs) Yeah. Next is Radio On by Christopher Petit, which is, like... I remember this one. or no, sorry. Uh, that's the next one. Um, but this one, yes. It is, like, this road movie um, with this crazy, like... The soundtrack is, like, the big thing that I, like, noticed about it. That it's got, like, Kraftwerk and David Bowie. It's, like, this big... Um, what do they call it like 80s sort of new wave soundtrack um although it's base of the 70s um but shot by like longtime time vim vendors collaborator uh martin Schaffer, and uh yeah seems great all these movies i like was just looking up like a lot of them are on youtube in full and like very like poor quality like right. To some degree or the other, but uh, a lot of them look great. Uh, next is Lynn Ramsey's Ratcatcher, which is her first movie and was, like, yep. for a while I think the most difficult to find, in a way, because it's like... It
0: has an out-of-print criterion, print criterion. On DVD. Yeah, they're just
1: I now think. putting it out on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, although I guess I don't know how hard it is to find Morven Collar, but I, like, watched it on Amazon earlier this year. Um, yeah,
0: I think that one's around.
1: But, yeah, this is... Um, Another, yeah, Criterion and Jonas did the Restoration. Um, Then The Roundup by Miklos Jancho, another Hungarian movie. Um, This one is about the Hungarian Revolution in 1848. It's Kino Lorber did the Restoration. Um, That that one is like... uh, It's like a black and white, and it looks... Like the sort of low quality images you can see on like YouTube, it seems like very striking. So that one, like on this scan seems like it would be one to see for sure. Yeah. Um, then this one is the one I was thinking of earlier, Rude Boy by Jack Hazen and David Mingay, which was like weirdly one of the big film struck movies that I remember. Mm. I didn't see it, but I remember it being on there. Um, but it's uh like about a writer following the clash and like talking about politic and everything like around that time in england <laughs> and uh this um i remember it like i don't remember if the one on filmstruck was like a, the same restoration or not but um I would imagine Seemed not,
0: because I don't know that Metrograph even existed when... Um,
1: Filmstruck was around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then next is Sambanzanga by Sarah Maldor, uh, 1972. This one is about Africa in the 70s. This one uh, is also on YouTube in poor quality and I was looking at some of it. <laughs> That's like yeah, most of these movies I was just like, let me see what I can like look at from this. I like I don't <laughs> think there are trailers for the restorations for a lot of these like you'll mm-hmm. find sometimes. Um but this is another World Cinema project. Um next songs for Drella, Ed Lockman the sort of uh I think it's like fit yeah fifty minute Um, or 55 minute rather uh, performance of Lou Reed and John Cale singing their album uh, dedicated to Andy Warhol and it's a new 4K scan of the 16mm print and a 24 bit mix of the audio (laughs) Um, and this one this is probably
0: the one that catches my eye the most. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you'd seen it. Uh, no, no, I I might go ahead and listen to that album. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Blue Reed and John Cale, uh, and I love Lockman. I didn't know Lockman had done any directing work.
1: Yeah, it's like very uh like sparse. It's like just them on a stage, right? Like, sort of yeah. across from each other with like a screen behind them. Um. Oh. All right. Uh. Next was uh Sweet Sweet Beck's Badass song by Melvin Vin Peebles. This is another criterion. They just they've got their people or Peoples box set coming out, and I think this is part of the Janus restorations that they did. Um and it's a new four K restoration of the movie. I've has it, anyone seen that? I have not. Mm-hmm. It seems I mean look, it seems good. <laughs> um Yeah. I uh I feel like all the sort of Melvin Van Peebles and like going into the Mario Van Peebles movie about uh, about the making, making of that movie, movie yeah, right? Yeah, uh, is all very interesting. And I think isn't um on the box set for the Criterion uh, the Mario Van Peebles movie is like on there at badass? Yeah, just as like a special, a special feature. feature. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so. that's that's that's, really a, that's the kind of thing they do. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a full <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> um. And then, finally, is Who Killed Vincent Chin, which is, like, a sort of early true crime documentary about the murder of this Chinese automotive engineer in Detroit. Um, and, uh, yeah, Christine Choi, 87. Um, seems, uh, I mean, it seems really crazy. Like, there, it's like when you look at a sort of older true crimey movie... It's like hard not to think of like thin blue line because like I was looking at clips, I was like this looks like thin blue line, <laughs> but um, sure. it uh it it seems like fascinating. Um, Are you gonna say the, the, big,
2: the big notable thing about this one, Colin?
1: Oh no, you, I didn't I didn't see this. <laughs> additional funding support provided oh, or just
2: additional I d- support provided I did by see Todd this. Phillips? Yes. Yeah, that's not what I would have. <laughs> sure, no, it's thought I... to mention. Yeah, sure. Todd Phillips gave it money.
1: Or some these guy. Um, oh. But, yeah, um, seems like a good crop. i like Mississippi Masala, I'd like to see Hester Street um the I mean, I'm a big palin pressburger head, so that'd be a cool one to see is like one of the early pals um mm-hmm. and I think Phil Schumacher was like part of overseeing that restoration, maybe um, but um. Yeah, I yeah I have never like
2: we've been to TIFF a couple of times like I've never seen an old older movie at like a revival at at, at, a, at a film festival. I'm trying to think what they did the year I was there. The um I almost went to see or I I really wanted to go to see um the the last of Sheila right. when they did it at TIFF, which was written co-written by Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins. Uh, and Ryan Johnson was presenting it, but then that ended up being at the same time as our our meetup that we go to. So I, I it was two uh, one once in a lifetime events, and I, and I chose uh, not to see it, unfortunately. But um, uh, yeah, I mean it, it's you know it's an interesting idea, and I, I do love like you know it's it's especially now with like all these four K restorations happening, with like the birth of, or with like the rise of four K mm-hmm. at home sort of thing like it's always fun to be like oh this is getting a 4k like and so they're gonna show it on a big screen and that's, that's always fun
0: yeah and then the other section that we have is spotlight which I would say it's identity is still not entirely clear uh, some of it is like just like more high profile stuff some of it isn't so much. Uh, You know, it'll be interesting to see how it develops if the festival retains this shape over the next few years, Uh, but it's uh, a lot of movies that have been seen and a few that haven't. Uh, We've got Bell, the Mamoru Hosoda film, uh, which was at Cannes, and I'm under the impression got a pretty good reception there
1: yeah but so does like a weirder because we talked about Mirai our um, right. anime episode and like I've seen summer Wars which is kind of mid and he seems to be like a guy that will drum up excitement but like I don't know if there's anyone who's like a crazy I mean I guess people like a lot of his like People, like, he did the Digimon movie and people like that. <laughs> I
0: saw, um, um sure. in a class once, I saw the girl who lived through time and thought right, that was yes. pretty charming. Uh, uh, wolf Children's yeah. like
1: great. Wolf Children, yes, that's a big one that people love. I was struggling for that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I like yeah. Mirai a lot. I know people, like, find parts of that movie annoying, but I think it's all pretty good.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just sort of think it's fine. That movie, I feel like my reaction to Mirai is maybe, like, where he exists with a lot of people where it's like he's clearly talented and pretty good but he it's like i don't know if he's anyone's favorite director i guess yeah
0: yeah 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 and then we've got come on come on which we you know we also got the first still from i don't know how widely known it was that it's in black and white though
2: right and this is, like, the first plot synopsis that I've seen, I think. like, Yeah, I mean, is a plot I, think, synopsis, anyway? I think I
0: basically knew most of what's in this plot Conflicting synopsis. It's like the information
4: we're getting. What? Yeah,
3: to To be clear, it is about a radio journalist, not a documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. As New York Film Festival tweeted and then deleted. Very That's mysterious. mysterious.
0: Yes.
1: Maybe this movie is about... <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but anyway... Uh... It seem, it's exciting to see Phoenix do something more low-key. It's exciting for Mike yes. Mills to have made another movie. Yes. It.
2: It's so exciting that Gabby Hoffman is apparently marvelously intuitive.
0: Of course. And yeah, it. I had heard it was probably going to premiere at Telluride. The fact that it does not have a premiere status supports that assertion. Yes. Uh they're going to have yeah. Dune. Uh, yeah, they, Dune's doing Dune. like, the whole tour. <laughs> it's not going to do Telluride, right, right. I've yeah. heard, oh, but yeah. it's doing all the other stuff. Uh, yeah, and they, they didn't announce if it's going to be just a regular screening or if it's going to be a big IMAX, IMAX screening, yeah. which like they've done before with uh, right. Billy Lynn.
2: Billy the IMAX, IMAX is yes. like right there. So I think it yeah.
1: makes sense for them to
2: do. Yeah, it for you'd this. think so. I mean, like especially Tiff, when uh, when Tiff is doing
0: it. Right, Tiff has made like a big deal of But when does Duke come of,
1: out? It's like November, right? It's like October.
2: It's, it's like yeah, pretty it it won't after be
0: after it 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 will be pretty yeah it it'll be like yeah. a few weeks early. You know, if they put it at the beginning of the festival, it'll be almost a month. Uh, yeah,
1: that might be a skip. I don't know. Like, October twenty cool second. It. It'd be cool to see it like in a big i'm actually like, while i'm there but i probably won't yeah i mean uh, yeah a like, lot of these spotlights i'm not like crazy hype for weirdly
0: <laughs> this I'm is the most exciting section to me
1: so far i think but
0: yeah it, i i think it's a pretty exciting section i mean dune like it i will be in toronto and if they yeah. will give me a press ticket to see it at the Sinusphere, i'd be happy to do so uh sure yeah, then we've got the French Dispatch, which is another one that is going to be released not all that long after the festival. Right.
2: And that's been long like known that it's going to play. Yeah, they announced
0: yeah. it's the first thing that they announced. Uh, and so yeah. people were a little confused when it was not in the main slate, but I figured it'd probably be here in Spotlight. It's a North American premiere, which means they North scooped tiff. it from Telluride and Tiff. Uh, you know it premiered at can. It sounds like it's very Wes Anderson Yeah I'm kind I'm of I'm like
1: Weirdly it. I'm on the side now of like I'm very excited For French Dispatch Where I had sort of like I wasn't like out of love with Anderson But I just wasn't like crazy hype for it When like the first trailer or anything was coming out But now I'm like this is gonna be good I think <laughs>
0: Uh huh
1: yeah Very hot take. All I think right. it'll
0: probably be good I'm into murder. I mean look, lead-ish. the last
1: movie I said this for bit me in the ass, but uh I'll lock it in.
0: Alright. Uh Jane by Charlotte is another movie that was at Cannes that's just like uh Jane uh, Charlotte Ginsberg wanted to do a documentary about her mother, uh, Jane Birkin, and it sounds like it's like fine ish. <laughs> uh, you know if one now, if, it, it, yeah. you know if Charlotte Gainsbourg's there then it's like yeah sure put it in the big deal section uh,
2: sure does that that, that ice, it doesn't look like it has distribution in the US yet maybe
0: I think it might not yeah uh, yeah, and then The Lost Daughter which I'm pretty interested in the movie yes, that, that Maggie Gyllenhaal right. directed that uh, is gonna be Premiering at Fronte Venice. Uh, yeah, it's a Ferrante adaptation. It's got a cool cast: uh, Olivia Coleman's the lead, and then Jesse Buckley, Ed Harris, Dakota Johnson, uh, Paul Mescal, Albert Rohrbacher, and Peter Sarsgaard. Netflix is putting it out. Um,
2: I think didn't they just announce dates for it? I think.
0: I think so. It's coming out in like, like November, in December december or or like one that. of those uh but yeah there's no premiere status on that which means it's going to be uh doing tell uh if it also gets announced as like a late edition for tiff then it would be something that i would try and get out of the way there but i would potentially be interested in seeing it here depending on how many movies i'm able to see too uh There's a Marco Bellocchio documentary, which is another documentary that was out of competition at Cannes. Another one that sounds pretty personal. Uh, uh, It sounds like kind of uh, exploring the suicide of his twin brother in the late 60s. He's someone who has been to the New York Film Festival many, many times. So even though it's not necessarily that high profile a film, you can see why they'd maybe give him a kind of spotlight slot like this, you know. He he had a movie playing at the third New York film festival. Uh Wow. Yeah. And then uh Red Rocket is the Sean Baker film, which is interesting to see here. I was kinda just expecting it in the main slate, but uh Right. You know, uh it's a... Uh, You know, people like Sean Baker. It's a twenty-four. Right. No premiere
2: listed again, so probably tell your ride. Right. Yep.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no like obvious reason why this is in spotlight and souvenir part two is in the main slate. Though they do have the souvenir part one in spotlight. Uh, much like Directors Fortnite gave it a special screening, I guess just as like these festivals that didn't play The Souvenir feel obligated to play it before they play Part 2. Uh,
3: yeah, I guess it just, that just signals to me that it's just like, it is a very direct sequel. Oh that, yeah, that, definitely. That, that people are making some effort to be like, you should not watch this if you have not seen The Souvenir Part 1.
0: Yeah
1: very excited it's funny that yeah it is funny that they're just showing it like at every festival that's playing it
0: yeah yeah uh yeah and then uh we've got this uh centenary retrospective for amos vogel it's a sidebar of the spotlight section uh he was one of the co-founders of the new york film festival And, uh, it just, it it sounds like the idea of the program is to kind of highlight the types of films that he programmed, which is uh, a cool way to go about a retrospective, I think. Uh, you know, there's like, it's, it's not a lot of especially high-profile films, but it's cool for them to be highlighting these interesting things again. Uh, like, with the revivals, it's, like, I'm unlikely to see that many or any of them just because I, I don't tend to see older stuff at, uh, festivals. I tend to be more likely to do that when I'm just at home because AFI has really good retrospective programming, uh, but there's, like, cool stuff. There's, uh, the Flickr is, like, a really big deal, um experimental or avant-garde film uh they're showing a movie that like he programmed at the first new york film festival yeah uh i think that's about all we've got i've heard that they're trying to put a schedule at least of what's out so far out tomorrow uh which is today if you're listening to this when it comes out uh, so they the, may
2: have announced Currents by the time you're listening. Possibly,
0: to yeah, and they definitely will next week. We'll try to have a segment about that, and uh, maybe TIFF will have a few more editions. there. TIFF's schedule is coming out next Tuesday. Uh, right. Next week also is when the ticket selections start for New York Film Festival packages. So we should have probably a little bit more news next week um
2: yeah i guess the the other thing to maybe mention is that venice did announce their schedule
5: right
0: week. yeah it's very front-loaded which is what you kind of expect because they're trying to uh screen the big films before Tell telluride can
2: <laughs> um
0: yeah i don't know did anyone else notice anything in the schedule
2: I don't think i noticed anything in particular yeah i mean, I mean they're, like they're the big a bunch
0: right like the big thing that's screening late is the last duel which i wonder if that's right. like kind of a uh way to get people to stay because i think sometimes people leave and get a ride or they leave to get ready for tiff or but you know i feel like if you're at venice you just stay at venice this year because it's a pain in the ass to get there
1: uh all that friggin water,
0: yep with that, uh <laughs> Colin, do you wanna plug anything before we go to our uh final segment?
1: um yeah, I'll plug carrot sticks and hummus great, one of my favorite little snacks uh been really mm-hmm. going ham on it lately um yeah. But yeah carrot sticks and hummus I've been doing there's a balsamic and caramelized onion hummus that i get that's so good so good Hmm. um and yeah quietly on twitter and
0: letterboxd all right great well we will be back in just a moment all right we are back and we are joined by the host of heavy metal ethan Brundine. that's me
5: hello happy to be here thank you for inviting
2: Thank you for being here ethan we really Mm -hmm. appreciate it
0: yeah all right, and we're going to talk about a couple of movies based in Arthurian legend.
2: Myths and Legends this week on Can I Kick It.
0: Mm-hmm. No,
3: this stuff really happened.
0: <laughs> Maybe
5: some people might, you know, who knows?
0: Um, but yeah. which stuff at the end of Green Knight really happened?
2: Oh. All of it.
5: Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not very well versed on the um, on the myths of Sir Garwin or whatever, so I could absolutely could not tell you which is which is steeped in you know reality and which is uh, or I mean sure. on the actual source material which is made up. Right. At mm-hmm. least yes. like I've seen Sword in the Stone, so I can follow most of what's happening in Excalibur and things like that. Sure. But right. Yes. Garwin, I have absolutely no idea. Could not tell you.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be certainly getting into that Absolutely um, But yeah, we're going to go chronological mm-hmm. this week So we're going to start with 1981 Directed by John Borman Excalibur uh, Premiered at Cannes
0: In competition in, in 1981 Yes, yes in Alongside the, uh, uh, such films as Michael Chimino's Heaven's Gate Michael Mann's Thief uh, Andrzej Zulawski's *Possession*, Andrzej Wajda's *Palme d'Or* winning *Man of Iron*, and of course Ken Loach's *Looks and Smiles*. Have you guys classic <laughs> Ken Loach title? Have you guys seen um, *Possession*? I have seen *Possession*, yeah. That I have
5: not. That's a crazy movie. I can only I can only imagine what a can audience in 1981 would think of that one
0: probably they booed a lot would be my guess yeah i was going to Uh, i was going to ask do you think
5: that they were more um (laughs) accepting of those kinds of movies back then or were they more uptight
0: you would think more uptight based on the way that history has generally gone uh but who knows yeah yeah uh
5: that is a crazy movie really really good um I don't think Andy would like it, but it is very good. (laughs) Um, Excalibur. It's getting a restoration this
0: fall. Yes. uh, It might play theaters. I know it's playing a festival that we don't really talk about.
5: I'm very excited to go see that one um, in the theater. Really great movie. Mm -hmm. Really recommend it um, to most people. Uh, (laughs) um, Excalibur, another movie I absolutely love i fell in love with it this year when i saw it like in january which feels like 10 years ago at this point but um sure really really fun movie i was kind of delving into more weird genre fare from from like before the 1980s and then stumbled into that one which is mm-hmm. 1981 but you know kind of right kind of still at the tail end of um of when people were just making weird things, you know, as opposed to, like, like, in, like, a post-Ghostbusters world when everything was was much more geared towards the audience, because I don't really think that Excalibur Mm -hmm. is geared towards the audience at all, Um, depending, well, depending on what the audience is, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. modern audiences almost definitely not, depending on your tolerance for um, movies that are kind of slow and melodramatic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's a, it's a very interesting movie to look at in that regard when it comes out. Like if you look at it compared to like, you know, empire strikes back, which came out r- right around the same time. It is very interesting comparatively.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I believe my, mother and uncle were taken to this film when they would have been i think 14 and 12 so i don't think they were the target audience it's a good time based to on yeah reports of that screening
5: it's a great great age to introduce to excalibur you know um... mm-hmm. yeah
3: i really i guess it's like depends on how liberal your parents are with like sexuality but i feel do feel like this is sort of a movie for 13 year olds in a certain way. It,
2: I mean it has the energy I think of like a kid making up a story. Like it has like mm-hmm. sort of that like that pacing I think and then like that and then this will happen and then everyone will yell about this thing right and then it like like I sort of does th- do think it has like a real like youthful breathless energy to it for some mm-hmm. reason.
5: Yeah I mean um, I think that this movie if it didn't have all of the sex scenes, could very easily be played in English classes. <laughs> um, it really feels like that kind of a movie because, you know, it it makes... An, it's the only thing I've ever seen that covers King Arthur that does tr- the entire, like, Arthurian legends in one story and, and you know, it attempts to be as... Uh, as I mean, it goes
3: from conception to death which is like as far as you could probably go yeah Mm -hmm. yeah a classic
2: biopic mistake
3: (laughs) i will say i was talking to for to a former guest on this podcast emma stefanski like after we recorded the f9 segment we were talking about green knight a bit because she had seen it and we had not and we i asked her about it and then she told us that they had played Excalibur in her English classes when she was growing up, and then, and, and she was just like, "Yeah, the teacher just learned, like covered up the sex part or whatever." But then we just watched the rest of Excalibur. When so, uh,
5: yeah, <laughs> that makes that's fun. When I was in English class, we watched the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet, um, mm-hmm. and famously there is a, a, a nude scene in that movie, and our teacher was a little old. Um, and she knew it was coming up. She, she was she was on it, right? She was gonna she was gonna skip over it, but her method for skipping over it was to stand in front of the screen and like wave her arms around so that we wouldn't see anything, mm-hmm. even though it is now being projected onto her body. In front right. of the, yeah. the screen. Well, you gotta go
2: close to the projector for yeah. that sort of move. <laughs> it did not it did not
5: work out the way she wanted it to. I don't think, but nobody Classic complained. Clever. Yeah. mm <laughs> Yeah. That I, I mean, mean, yeah, I, that is a comparable movie though, the um, Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet in kind of a uh, mm-hmm. a sure a, a costume earnest portrayal of this uh, right this mm-hmm. classic text.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like I, I'm trying to think like Arthurian shit like is like I'm not. It's like it has like an interesting history. I feel like in filmed media because like. You know, it's your classic, like, public domain, like, anyone Mm -hmm. can take a swing at it sort of thing. And, like, people do, I guess, fairly frequently, although I don't know how often it, like, really connects. I mean, it,
0: right. um, I I mean, mean, there have been, like, Five in the last twenty years that didn't work. I feel like.
3: I mean, it's like a yeah. tar, like again, like a Tarzan style, another or Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmesian style. Yeah. Of like, yeah, once every seven years, somebody will try and make something. It'll be like, yeah, Antoine Fuqua, it's your turn now. Then it's yeah. Guy Ritchie, and then it's. But the thing about
5: right. it that I was thinking about this too. What's interesting is that like it feels like there's a Robin Hood every two years. <laughs> like every, like Robin Hood yeah. happens much more frequently, and maybe. Maybe that story is newer, and it just is more easy to adapt into any any um, medium, I guess, because it is just such a, a a slam dunk, like easy to to connect with any any person's yeah. story I don't know I don't know what the I
2: feel well. Is. Robin Hood I guess is like maybe slightly easier to tell like a standalone story Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Robin Hood like probably Arthur... falls,
3: into, yeah, falls into like the Sherlock Holmes of just like well it, it's just like a guy who has like a couple of things he does and you can tell yeah. a lot of different stories where it's like yeah with, what I think mm-hmm. what Andy was gonna say where it's like King Arthur there were things that were written about and maybe happened and those were the things that you those are the stories you can tell with the character of King Arthur
0: yeah king arthur Which, Oh, i was gonna say one might think that makes it perfectly suited to a cinematic universe well
5: that was the goal wasn't it with uh, yeah with, uh, with the
0: guy, guy richie the <laughs> yeah. guy
2: richie right because no one else was in it besides like arthur yeah. and like maybe one of the knights of the round table yeah. i think they were gonna make a lancelot <laughs> and a galahad and all of that
5: and, right
2: and like a merlin movie or something like, and it yeah, just did um,
5: not happen I like, i don't know why yeah did any of you guys see that movie Nope, no.
2: I saw, I think it was the second movie in like a double feature at a, like a second run theater that I used to sometimes go to that is sadly mm-hmm. like closed near me now. Uh, and so I got sleepy and left like halfway through, not because I was like hating it, but because I was like, I don't have the energy to keep paying to the, paying attention to this. It wasn't like, I wasn't like, this is great, I need to come back to it. I never did come back to it, but it was... It seemed like fine. It like, yeah. like, you know, it's got Guy Ritchie shit in it. It's like, it's like got all the, like, the cameras, like, right up in his face and he's running and like, yeah, you know, all that, all that stuff. It is, yeah,
5: it is, it's, it's total, you know, three out of five, <laughs> like, like, like fine, sure. yeah, you know, whatever. I, it It is given the benefit of not being as um, obnoxious as many of Guy Ritchie's movies can be. Um, mm, yeah. So yeah, it is, yeah, it's. Fun.
3: I mean, the Fuqua one was the one I was shown in English class, and I basically remember nothing about it except that they try to give like Kira Knightley like an action part, and that there's a big wall at some point.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Those are the only two things I remember the from one, the Fukua one.
2: My the one the Arthur stuff that I think I was most familiar with is the that like late '90s miniseries version that I think Sam Neil is in. Um, that was like, I remember like one of my na- friends who was a neighbor had like that on VHS and we watched it and I was like, wow, this is like really long because it was like three hours long because it was originally a miniseries or whatever. Yeah. um uh, But yeah, I remember that weirdly being like, oh, like this is like a thing that you can just make a movie about uh, then and then like, you know, every, every so often you hear like, oh, they're doing a King Arthur thing or whatever or like we're doing this twist on the King Arthur thing or... Mm-hmm. You know, it is also like a classic thing that like, you know, The Simpsons will do like a King Arthur sure. r- episode riff, or like you know any 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 like sitcom that does like standalone stories or kids show will often do like a King Arthur riff. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, do I I look this up and had already for, forgotten? Do we all remember who plays Garwin in the Antoine Fuqua King Arthur? no no <laughs> no it's joel edgerton
5: oh that's kind of fun
0: actually yeah that is fun Mm-hmm.
2: he just loves that uh, that world i guess yeah
0: i guess so it yeah my i don't feel like king arthur was ever a topic in school um i can't remember ever delving into arthurian legend so like my experience with arthurian legend was like the weird them weaving it into the magic tree house mm, yeah. and then there was another sure. i think it was a series or maybe a standalone uh like middle readers book that it was like narnia but instead of going mm-hmm. into a wardrobe and you'd go to narnia you'd go into a closet and you'd meet sir galahad i think
2: sure i mean yeah that like yeah Like, the kid in King Arthur's Court, like, all that, like, there is, like, a weird strain of, like, kids will like this thing if we, like, tailor it to them. Like, wouldn't it be cool for a kid to end up in, like, the world of, like, knights and kings and and magic and and, and that sort of thing? Well, that all goes back Um, to
5: a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, right? right. Um, And then there was that kid's movie, like, was it a New York Yankee in, 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 uh, in, I think it's just called A Kid in King Arthur. Well, there's one that's about a baseball player going back. And I think it is a – I don't know if they got the actual New York Yankees, but um, I remember it playing on Disney XD or something. Or I could just be 100% conflating five different things that are all vaguely the same in my head. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. It is a a very big trope of just like, yeah, let's put a – Right. A, a child back in time and they'll learn how to be a squire. And yeah, then there seems career. to be a Connecticut
3: right. Yankee in King Arthur's court, and then a Connecticut Yankee, and then another version of a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. It's like 21, then 31, then 49, and then they do Kid in King Arthur's court in
2: 1995.
5: Fair enough. I, yeah. I must just be thinking of that one. Um Right. He's
2: like into baseball in it, I think. Like I think there it is the connection they draw. And then like there's the recent, uh, The Kid Who Would Be King. Great movie which, is, uh, which I really do I, that's a fun movie that I recommend if folks yeah. haven't seen it. Um uh which is yeah, it's just like what if King Arthur stuff was now, like and the, the a kid fell into it. <laughs> yeah. And um Yeah, and, and I mean
3: things. obviously there's like the one the one thing we haven't mentioned which is like Monty Python, and the
2: Holy Grail, which yeah, is like, yeah uh, right. right. <laughs> which, which was yeah, my main touchstone when watching Excalibur, for sure. Yeah, right. I, I
3: was for sure thinking about Holy Grail a lot while watching Excalibur. Yeah, and I do think
5: that that colored a lot of audiences' um, opinions of it at the time and even since of being like, well, this is ridiculous. It's just like Monty Python, but they're not telling jokes. It's just as stupid, though. You know, because like because Mm-hmm. Excalibur. Part of what I love about it is that it has this Shakespeare in the Park feeling to it. It's Just like we got a bunch of dudes, put them in in costumes that are a little clunky, and gave them these big old swords, and we're just like, you know, hey, make up your own fight scene, basically, and like, like, right? Um, it is. It's just there's something so earnest and sincere to it that really speaks to me but i can understand coming off as being um foolish and stupid to other people i don't know (laughs) um but to me i think it really works
2: yeah i mean it's a movie i had a hard time with this movie i think like it was Mm. i thought like it was like a little too breathless and like a little like i wanted it to settle down a little bit uh at times and also, I was weirdly thrown off by just the feeling that like every single line was dubbed yeah. over, it felt like, uh, which, uh, you know, is certainly a th- like I can understand why they would have to do it. They were shooting in these like crazy locations, right. it seems. But uh, I, don- I don't yeah. think they did a great job necessarily matching the, the-, the performance on-, on the screen with the voice that they were putting over it in terms of energy level. The yeah, armor I-
5: probably I- clinks a lot. <laughs> yeah i mean
3: that was like maybe one of my bigger thoughts while watching it was just like this must have been such a nightmare to fucking make (laughs) i was like this yeah this is this was probably like the fucking abyss of horses where it's just like i don't understand how you got so many of them on screen how i mean (laughs) i guess i guess it's just like this is not a thing that's known but like horses had to have died like I, I, it's just, like, so insane to watch on screen. Yeah. I liked it. I, I, like, when I was thinking about it, it's just, like, especially the beginning. It maybe loses this, like, in the middle, but I just appreciate it as, like, the most, like, hot-blooded movie ever made of just, like, it's all just passion and horniness yeah. and, like, wanting to, like, stab somebody and kill them and, like, there... Yeah. A, I appreciate that energy in a movie, even because like, just like... Uh, yeah
5: i mean sorry but that is like that is what that period of storytelling is about you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's, it's about what, what are these 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 young men who are you know spend all of their time together like what is what what kind of things would get them excited and, and think was really right. cool or whatever it was just you know it was running around with 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 people on horses and and swinging your swords (laughs) you know like that it is just it is in a way it is such a little boy thing which makes sense why it is like why king arthur is always connotated with children so much is because it is at its core such a childish like fantasy of of fun basically
3: yeah it's it's like a very like basic understanding of just like this time period basic of just like yeah these guys just wanted to fight battles for honor and they wanted women and it's just like Mm. the sort of earnest like depiction of that in this movie i find very comforting it's like Extremely gorgeous to look at.
5: Oh, incredible.
3: All, all of the shiny stuff. I was always thinking, like, how did they do... How do you get stuff this shiny? Um,
5: yeah. I wasn't looking out for it, but there are definitely... There's got to be, like, you know, boom mics and cameras and stuff in, in, like, every shot. I wasn't looking for it, but, like, because of how much everything is reflective all the time, it I mean, it just has to be. But it is... It, it looks just incredible all the time. The lighting is insane in every scene and the costumes are just so fun the sets are ridiculously big and extravagant energy and just make for such a, a like a, a real true epic is a is a word that doesn't get used very much but mm-hmm. anymore but i mean this is an epic by every stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. you know the thing that it reminded me the most of was um beowulf the uh the Zemeckis movie but like if it was live action and and made with the limitations of the 1980s and stuff like that they have very similar energies I think
2: yeah and I mean it's interesting because like the cast in this like there are many like heavy hitters in the cast like you have like Helen Mirren uh, Patrick Stewart, like Liam Neeson, Gabriel Byrne, and it, like, is anyone like really like good in this movie? Like, I don't, I'm not sure I could like <laughs> fully get there as far as like any performance being like I th- especially. I think
3: they're all doing what is like ass. I, th- I mean, it's like right. They're it's all not doing like
2: a style that like necessarily lends itself to like. I think the wow, guy the performance wowed me. I
5: think the guy playing Merlin is the one who is most dialed into. The wavelength of this movie specifically. Yeah. I
3: mean, he's good, but he's also the person maybe harmed the most of like the voice to performance disconnect of just. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: I Um, think Marin's good. I think what's the main guy what who's the, the guy who plays nigel nigel terry or something nigel terry, terry. Something i think he gives there. a good performance he like communicates what needs to be communicated again it's a little shakespeare in the park it's a little like broad out outside but mm-hmm. it, I, I enjoy it for what it is
5: i like when he's supposed yeah. to be like a teenager and they just put him in this bad wig with the bangs sure and <laughs>
2: yeah i do think like he has good moments too like i do think that moment like one of the moments where I feel like the film does slow down a little bit enough for me to, like, get a handle on it is the moment when he's, like, fighting in the muck and, like, has the sense to be like, oh, you should knight me now and then, like, mm-hmm. we won't have to fight anymore or whatever. And, like, I think the way he, like, carries that off, I think, was, like, one of the moments where I was like, oh, okay, like, there's some, there's some like, humanity here that I can, like, yeah. get, on, get on board with. Um, uh, yeah, I think, like, that – and, like – that like in the in the muck and in the, the like the 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 scenery of it all like that he was able to project that much like stillness in that moment I think was yeah. like extremely helpful for me in in, in the movie.
5: Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Adventures of Robin Hood, the original Errol Flynn like mm-hmm. movie, and that movie is. You know, has this grand Technicolor scale and everything like giant sets and and casts of thousands and all these sorts of things, but it feels very controlled and you know everybody is really suave and and has their makeup and hair perfect in every scene. You know, and is like delivering their their lines like you know Errol Flynn and and Olivier and all these people are are you know perfect movie stars. You know things like that. So it is this this great like perfect piece of entertainment and then Excalibur feels like they're trying to do the same thing but it, it is just scrappier you know like they didn't have enough, as much time, right. they didn't have as much um, money, they didn't have as much anything so they were they, mm-hmm. they wanted the same scale but were simply unable to deliver it um, and right. that really like comes through anyway. in the movie yeah. in a way that I think is really kind of beautiful from a watching a a filmmaking standpoint you know, watching the the finished product of of all of these creative people coming together at one time um but also can be seen as being a little cheesy i guess or chintzy or whatever you know um maybe people didn't have sex in full Plate armor you know what i mean <laughs> like <it's> just <laughs> there's just something so magical about the finished product to me that i really enjoy um i did read that um Borman, you know really wanted to make this this grand epic and made um made exorcist 2 to try to get the funding for this movie and then that Mm -hmm. movie really bombed so he was like against the wall putting this one together and it it feels like the finished product is better than what it would have been if they had all the time and money in the world to figure out how to make it exactly what it is what they wanted it to be i mean Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah maybe. It it it, just, it for sure feels like a movie they shot like in a week where it's yeah. just like now we're going to this scene and this guy just has like two touches of makeup so that's like shows you what the the time passing and this actor maybe changed or did this change and it's an exciting energy to see in a movie. It's just like like Andy called it breathless and I do. That's what I appreciate about it even if it's like mm-hmm. off-putting to some. I, I just like how like hard it goes and it's just like we're gonna tell the whole thing. Some it may might be a little uneven. Not I don't yeah. think the entirety of the story is great, but it's just like they'll move on to the next part. I like I well, like the Lancelot guy also. He's pretty I think I mean it it's he's certainly like eighty percent just look, but I feel like this movie is also like eighty percent look, so what can oh, you really be, do? Yeah.
5: I mean it's hard to be mad at it when it looks so good, you know. Like it just is even if you're like, what are they even talking about? You can just watch the uh, the <laughs> the sets and the and you know something glittering will will, will catch your eye in every shot. Um, I was it, thinking but... while watching The Green Knight. I was thinking, you know, this the thing is that these stories suck. <laughs> um, you know, mm-hmm. like they're a thousand years old and they hadn't invented like interesting storytelling skills yet you know like shakespeare wasn't around yet to to kind of add some spice to things so they're just sort of like and then they went here and they had to get this thing and this happened here you know what i mean so and the way excalibur combats that is by doing everything at once you know like we're going to cover swaths of 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 this epic poem or whatever in five minutes and then move on to the next part and we're only we're cutting out anything that isn't important it's just going to be this guy shows up this is my name this is what's going on now and then moving on to the next thing um and i think that that breakneck pace keeps it interesting to follow if as opposed to if it were just you know a fraction of this story told in the the manner of excalibur i don't think it would be as compelling to watch i think that the the doing-everything-or-nothing attitude really works in its favor.
3: Yeah, I mean, these two movies are sort of interesting counterpoints, because, like, Excalibur is, like, there's no interiority in Excalibur. Everybody says what they are thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. every second they are on screen. It, it, It is a movie that, like, if you can attribute to something, like, something thematically, it's, like, it's sort of about courage and, like, standing up for certain things and, like, fighting and respecting your like combatant in battle or whatever and then to have green knight as the counterpoint of a movie that is basically all interior and it's about cowardice mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: um yeah i mean it, it it is in that way i think very faithful to um the source material and that it is just like it's a it's about what if there were some brave guys who did some cool things <laughs> like that is right the basis of of the original text yeah. right
2: yeah i mean yeah and the, the, those stories like you know they come from like an oral tradition right so they're meant to like they're full of incident and mm-hmm. like exciting stuff happening uh so that you can like you know if you can you can project it to a crowd or whatever right and and they'll yeah. be able to like follow along and fill in maybe the others like no certainly no one is concerned with concerned with like psychological realness or anything like that like yeah um and yeah i mean you know and 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 the focus on like these like larger than life like people in positions of power also i think goes along of like you know it's like who 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 these stories are about is like you know they're they're more than than men like they're more like they're there's something, like, both simpler and also, like, grander and greater than ordinary men. Um, I think is like yeah. an, it's, like, it's, like, an interesting, like, yeah, it's an interesting uh, space to play around with. Especially when you maybe start to t- look at it from a contemporary perspective and add some of that s- other stuff in there that we that we sort of are, are more into these
5: days. Arthur is, like, the best of both worlds as a protagonist because he is just... A normal dude but he's also the chosen one <laughs> you know what i mean right <laughs> like it is it is gets both swaths of the project yourself onto this sort of boring um avatar of the story
2: yeah yeah i'm interested in wonder like and why it's called excalibur like why that was the choice of like all the andy my guess would potential. be that it
3: sounds really fucking cool my, sure that would be my guess i
2: yeah I mean, yeah, but like it's because int- like obviously like the sword is like an essential thing throughout the whole thing, and you see like you see its origins from like the hand reaching out of the lake to hand it off. you see it in the stone, you see, like all that stuff, but like it's yeah, it's it, it is interesting to be like, okay, I'm gonna name this movie about like that I'm making of the Arthurian legend like after the sword, which uh I you know, it's an interesting choice I
5: think well, I think it comes through to what this movie is interested in in that it is it isn't really interested in king arthur so much as it is in the sword you know what i mean like it's interested in yeah. in how and in, in looking and feeling cool and fun you know what i mean like like mm-hmm. it, the whole thing is is glittering and shining just like excalibur is right. you know what i mean and is and is that yeah. i mean i guess one of the only things that you can you know graphed onto this is like a deeper meaning of the, the film is like is that is the is the, the glittering and shining just a distraction and is there actually you know um something more sinister beneath the surface and does corruption happen when you're in positions of power and stuff like that when you're given such a a when the ability to lead an entire country is thrust upon you you know right. by literally pulling it basically the the source of legitimacy yeah Yeah. is that a good thing you know are you prepared for that those those sorts of questions are being asked you know the the morgana character kind of represents temptation in many ways and 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 evil or whatever but um i think that morgana is the most interesting part in this movie the um that both in the helen Mir- mirren betrayal and just the way that she is the characters written in the movie i think that that adds most of the um i don't know interest to it <laughs> to me at least um the morgana scenes are always just have a little bit more life to them than the other ones
3: yeah she i think she's giving a good performance i think she is uh given more of a, like, sort of dastardly, like, conniving character, so obviously she gets, like, more to play in every scene, and, like, whether she's tricking people, or whether she's being genuine, or, like, what is her motive, or what is her goal, until, yeah. like, the end. But, uh, which I feel like does her more of a service than other characters in the movie. Though, may, though, in some aspect aspects, it does her a disservice, because, like, everybody else gets the charm of being a very simple character, and she sometimes needs to commute it's like she has to balance you have to balance between of it between being like, well, is it bad that she's bad or is like is this like her giving them their just desserts because of the terrible things that they did to her mother and like the way that they affected her life, but it's like I feel like it it's pretty good at like not giving you a hard definition either way and just letting. The childhood story play like it needs to. I think it's pretty good. It's it just like leaves the myth as a myth and the, and doesn't do too much work of like, contemplating the mor- morality of any of this, which would completely break break what the movie is doing.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesse, this won a, a like a a fake award at Cannes,
0: right? Yeah, it was uh, an award for artistic contribution, which. Usually when that's awarded, it's awarded to a specific person involved in the film. Like, they'll give it to uh, the cinematographer or the uh, the composer. Uh, in this case, it seems to have just gone to the film, which is odd.
5: I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it, it is an artistic contribution. Um, maybe... It is one of those things where maybe King Arthur nostalgia was at an all time high in 1981, and they were just like, "Well, we gotta recognize this achievement in in our collective storytelling." You know, we have to we have to laud this this artistic contribution. I don't know. Um, I definitely think if I would have given it to anything, I would have given it to the cinematographer of the movie. But um, yeah, the movie it, as a it, whole, it, it, sure.
3: It, yeah, it, it like truly is like maybe a thing where it's like there's too many parts that contribute to what its artistic contribution is for to give it to like because if you give it to like the cinematographer then you're doing like the costume designer's dirty and like yeah, other yeah. people, basically everybody mm-hmm. except the sound people.
5: <laughs> but. Editor. I don't know. I mean, the, the Wagner stuff is fun. I like that. Yeah. That's, but that's you can't a good give sound. artistic
3: contributions to Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> Bad optics on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So, do we want to move on?
0: Sure. Uh, yeah. So, we've got the reason we're doing this episode, the recently released David Lowry film The Green Knight, uh, which will well, Jesse, by that the...
2: didn't play any festivals. How why are we talking about it on this podcast?
0: Well, there's a couple reasons. There's the Mink precedent, which is if we are sufficiently <laughs> anticipating a film we can do an it e- that we think will play festivals, we can do an episode on it anyway. But there's the second thing, which is if you'll recall way back when we did our South by Southwest 2020 preview for a festival that never happened uh this was announced I believe is the opening film uh yes. or def- yeah uh for South by Southwest so initially festivals were part of the plan for this movie and then that plan was scrapped by covid and it was thrown into theaters on July 30th uh and uh will be coming to VOD uh the I believe the $20 price point alazola uh the night before this is released so if you yes. haven't seen it yet and you don't want to go to a theater or it stopped playing near you you can check it out on the internet. Yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah. This go ahead.
5: It's fun. It's a great movie. I watched
0: it yesterday. Yeah, it's really excellent. Um uh yeah. David Lowry has uh this would have been his return to South by Southwest uh prior to his uh previous his his first movie, sorry which doesn't exist and i've already forgotten what it's called uh it
2: s- flag something with a flag involved or
0: oh boy uh i said i had all this information memorized and then i didn't even think i had to bother <laughs> memorizing the name because of course i know the names of all his films saint but nick? Saint, nick. saint nick that's right Uh, And yeah, then following that, he had Ain't Them Body Saints, which premiered at Sundance. uh, And then played as a special screening at International Critics Week at Cannes. Then he was called up to the big leagues for Pete's Dragon, which played no festivals. Uh, And then a ghost story was back at Sundance. Old Man and the Gun was at Telluride and TIFF. And then we have this movie, which uh, technically did not play a festival.
5: Um, I would like to know what the "Can I Kick It" temperature on David Lowry is. Are are there people who are
0: pro? Are there people who
5: are against?
0: What's well, one of our co-hosts isn't here. Uh, so we just won't talk about that. Uh, A Ghost Story is one of my favorite movies of the, like, a top five movie of the last ten years for me. Uh, and Ain't Them Body Saints I watched and don't really remember. Old Man of the Gun is pretty good. Uh, I keep meaning to go back and watch Pete's Dragon, but haven't. Uh, and yeah, this is you know, much closer to Ghost Story than any of those other movies for me. Sure.
2: I am I have been a pretty skeptical David Lowry viewer up until Green Knight, which I loved. Uh I had seen I saw Pete's Dragon and was like, this is people people were re- very into that one, but I was like, this is just kind of boring. Um uh Ghost Story I was like felt too much like it was like the whole movie was in quote marks for me to really get into it I think um old man and the gun was yeah was like a little too low-key or something like I don't know like I I've I've never really like something about like his style I Mm -hmm. feels like too much like a put-on to me often where I think like he's like really like go leaning into a stylistic thing that doesn't necessarily feel like it's coming naturally. Like he's really imposing that on the movie. Uh, And Green Knight is the first movie that I've seen of his where I feel like that worked for me or like that, Mm -hmm. like unlocked the movie in an interesting way Um, where him, him treating the material that way, like added some layers on instead of keeping me at a distance. So this so Green Knight is the first one that I've loved.
3: Let me see. Um, I've I've only seen the last three. Ghost Story, I love. Not as much as Jesse, but I do really like. I just appreciate his take on that sort of thing. I I don't know. That is one of the few movies where I'm like, I like it a lot. I find it sort of hard to talk about, where it's just like, yeah. And whatever works about it to me is just sort of elemental, and I can't really intellectualize it that much. Old Man and the Gun, I saw at TIFF 2018 its premiere which was a funny situation where it was like me our co-host who is not here we we just made the rush line to go see it because we were like sure that'll be fine we'll just like make a rush line it'll be cool then like 10 minutes before the movie started like a publicist for the movie came out with like a like thing full of tickets being like yeah we want the premiere to be full but it's not really filling out so we're just gonna give out tickets to whoever wants to so they gave they gave us a bunch of free tickets and we like sat in like the top this was at the elgin i think Mm -hmm. which is like has like a bottom thing and a mezzanine and me and Colin sat in the mezzanine and we were like, this sucks. We should have gotten to the rush line because if we, we had the rush line, we could have gotten like close seats because <laughs> it was that empty and the mezzanine was just completely empty. It was just literally me Colin, and this other person who was waiting outside with us. And <laughs> I watched half of it, was like, this is charming. Fell asleep for like 10 minutes, woke up and was like, yeah, that, w- that was charming. That was all right. There's some stuff <laughs> in it that I'm like, I don't know if this is fully like fully like works. Yeah but it's just like it it does like it does a good job at doing what it's doing and then i watched green knight and was like yeah i I think i have a similar take where it's just like this is his closest movie to ghost story since he made ghost story and they have like very similar vibes except that Mm -hmm. there's maybe more there's this one is maybe like slightly less ethereal because it's like sort of about people whose names you know, and have to do things, right. whereas Ghost It's a Story, mostly
5: narrative film.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ghost Story, you do have to, like, graft onto it a lot for it, you to, like, be able to connect with it on any sort of way. Which, I, I don't know, I maybe appreciate Ghost Story more for that, and maybe like Ghost Story a little more than this. But uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed Green Out. Add- it's a movie when I left, I was like, yeah, that's great. And then thinking about it, i've been a little less hot on it but i still think it's very mm-hmm. good uh,
0: i should say i forgot that the one other festival thing that uh Larry has is that he was part of the neon pandemic anthology film that premiered as a special screening at can this year the year of the everlasting storm along with uh uh, peter palm Greer's ethical and jafar panahi and domingo sotomayor castillo and a few other people uh which uh i i feel like that premiered towards the end of the festival so i didn't hear a ton about uh it sounds like unsurprisingly the various ethical segments may be the standout of that uh but yeah
5: um i personally am am very similar to Jesse, in that I thought I going going in to see Green Knight, I thought I was really in the bag for David Lowery and Then I realized I was just really in the bag for Ghost Story. Like right. that movie, like is a, a very important movie in my life too. I, it really was very, really spoke to me. I I have not. My greatest regret is that I have not seen Pete's Dragon. It's my it's <laughs> the one thing I regret in life. Um, Ain't Them Body Saints is. Good. I really like Rooney Mara, um, but my I spent most of that my time watching that movie, um, analyzing its accuracy to a small town in Texas or whatever, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, um, no, so no. maybe on a rewatch I might um and like get more out of it. And then, you know, Old Man and the Gun, Old Man and the Who Cares. Like and that movie is <laughs> like the classic like two point five out of five fine movie you know like i understand i don't i understand why he wanted to make that movie you know like getting mm-hmm. to to make theoretically yeah. the uh the last movie in the in the career of a late legendary actor or whatever um, even though i think he was mm-hmm. was he in a marvel before or after that <laughs> um, was. end game was after uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but that movie really just kind of like fell with a dull thud right like nothing nothing came out of that and it was really had a a very large marketing push i remember right the time. yeah um and then just was kind of a damn squib but uh,
0: yeah it's like a movie for you to take your parents to yeah. and you'll all be like that was all right yep exactly
5: it, it, it's inoffensive
0: <laughs> um, mm, i'm sure i'd like it more if it was made by a director who hadn't made one of my favorite movies yeah same here
5: um but Green Knight, as you, as you guys have said, is the closest to ghost story in, you know, form and feel. And I I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it and really resonated with it. Um, but, yeah, I, I also I also feel like um, where you are on a ghost story will paint where you are on him as a whole because that's a very easy movie to come away from and going, like, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, like, I totally understand right. people who walk away from that and are, are just... And like, pissed off at the movie and at the person who made it. But for me, it really worked and really, like Amelia mm-hmm. said, it is it is elemental and it, yeah. it really spoke to me. And is a movie
0: that I like a lot. Um, yeah, and I mean the kind of obvious moment where you're like, oh, okay, he's definitely in that mode. Is the Uh, The long kind of pan, maybe like 20 or so minutes into the movie where you pan away from him tied up to the tree and you pan around and you see time passing and then you get to him as a skeleton and then you pan back around and you see him escaping. That's the point where at least I was like, okay, so he's in that mode. I'm going to like this one. Uh, And I kind of had that feeling maybe somewhat unfounded, or maybe just because it was him, eh, kinda less as a part of the studio system, though you could argue about where Searchlight and A24 stand, and we don't need to talk about A24, uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I kinda was like, I feel like this one, this one seems like it's gonna be really cool, uh, even, I guess I felt like even if it was, not on that ghost story level it seemed like it had a lot more potential than old man and the gun uh but yeah then it turned out that he was bringing a lot of that uh kind of tone and energy to the film which i certainly appreciated
2: yeah he is fascinating because he's like one of the only people who I feel like is successfully doing One For Me One yeah, For Them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Like, it's, I mean, and, and, like, the One For Them's are often, like, not, like, they're not, like, huge movies, but they're, like, right. definitely You know, they're Disney like, movies. Right, they're yeah. getting, I they're assume... They're, like, yeah, right. Yeah. There's the small Disney movies or whatever. Right. right. Um, But, like, yeah, it, it is fast, because, like, and it, like, and that, I think, makes the, like... Cha- quote-unquote challenging stuff like sit a little more interestingly for me and I think that's part of why I am somewhat resistant to a ghost story because I'm like oh that this is like not necessarily really who you are like this is just like you've just like seen a lot of stuff and so you want to demonstrate that you can like do both sides of it or whatever like it's sort of like a weird feeling that I get from that movie um, I think with this with Green Knight. Um, i I do think like having the source material, I think is like the thing that maybe is the thing that lets it connect for me because like I do think that like it's very clear that he is like thinking and transform thinking about and transforming the source material in a very personal way. And I think the fact that he is like bouncing off of something, helps me hook into it to be more in to be with like okay like i'm i'm more on board with like what you're trying to do here and i know you're not like it doesn't feel like quite as much of like a put on to me that like at times i is the thing that like makes me makes me the whole ghost story at arm's length a little bit
0: i'm tempted to suggest that what you're saying is that you don't want original movies but i'll not say no that. not at all <laughs> I don't think. I mean,
2: yeah. I wish it were more original. I guess is maybe what I feel like about. Um, okay. Ghost story. I don't know. I don't know. It. Because it, I. It, it feels like it's that movie. Feels. I don't. We don't need to litigate that. I mean, sure. Never mind. I'm not going to talk <laughs> about it. Sure. Um. Uh. But yeah. I mean, Green Knight. The th- like. I think yeah. It. It. It really like. It's such a like it is obviously like a very open-ended film that is super open to interpretation and and that you're welcome that you're able to project as much as you want onto it like there's so much like stuff that's done just through imagery that is like vague and, and that sort of thing um but there is like that core like quest narrative that it's all hung on to that i do mm-hmm. think like it does make me be like, okay, so I like I have a baseline of like what I expect from like a quest narrative movie, and like, and then all this other stuff on top, I'm like, more able to 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 to, to like go off in a bunch of different directions with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, t- I'm saying a lot of shit. I, I will say, yeah, ahead, I
3: think, go. for me, what have been. Sitting with me like that has like sort of slightly been diminishing. Is that I think I sort of feel like the opposite of you, where you, where I assume you do, Andy, of like, I think Ghost Story is a very earnest movie, and I think it it is using it is using a lot of techniques, and I think it's like very intentional in sort of ways, but I think it is very earnestly trying to capture a very complicated set of emotions about like fear of dying, whereas, and I think Green Knight's doing a similar thing, but like the more i thought about it it's it sort of felt more like a put on or like intentional subversion that i maybe sort of slightly resent and th- like that's where i've been sitting on it i guess mhm
5: i think um something that i something in that area is that I, that i felt was i was watching the movie i saw it yesterday and I had just seen rewatched Excalibur, obviously, and I was thinking about the two in my head, and um, they are different because Excalibur is extremely earnest, and I think that this movie is trying to be not c- cool. <laughs> like they both are trying to be cool with it in in ways that are different, mm-hmm. like because because what is cool in 2021 is different than what it was 40 years ago right um so Mm -hmm. so green knight feels really like especially the first 20 minutes i don't like as much as the rest of the movie when when he's back in the in the um in the when he's in the village with everybody else you know that's Mm -hmm. that stuff feels less sort of meditative and like like the visual poetry that the rest of the movie feels like that feels more like we're trying we're going to make a a cool like you know this look at us this is our our stylized interesting take on on uh, on the middle ages you know it felt like they were trying I hate, I hate to say it, but it feels like they were trying to be like The Witch or The Lighthouse or something, which is not what the rest of the movie is, you know? And I like The Witch and The Lighthouse, but those are separate types of... Those are separate movies from, from what The Green Knight eventually becomes as it goes on. I don't know how to describe that, really, but it was a, a feeling that I had. Yeah, and it's like...
3: So a funny story about me watching this was that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go to a theater. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to have a good time. And then my sister was like, "Can I go come <laughs> with you to watch?" My sister who's like not really into movies was like, "Can I go watch that with you? I have nothing to do." And I was like, "Sure." And then before the movie started, I had to give her like a 10-minute preamble of being like, "This is not going to be like a sword like action movie. This is going to be like a little weirder than you think." And then the movie is w- even weirder than I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's sort of like the movie seems to very intentionally be. It's like it's a movie about cowardice that is sort of very intentionally being like this is not about a guy who fights things because he sort of can't or won't. And it and it's like every like every time that it could like turn into that direction, it has something a little more like. Interesting or subversive to do, of just like him or him getting his ass kicked, or him like reasoning with these giants, or like him meeting this cute little fox. And uh, I really appreciate that subversion, and I and but it does sort of feel like the first twenty minutes are setting you up for a different movie, and then Mm -hmm. it's giving you that, and it's like there's like the half of me that is like, and that's very cool and good and like a good story decision because it's like. It, it is, like, reframing the story about one of one of cowardice so completely, and then there's the other half of me that is just, like, well, that's sort of lame, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to give it another look. I almost did last night and then uh, fell asleep, um, but... What do I want to say? It just, like... It it is just... I mean, it is just, like, ghost story for me, where it just, like, gets me under its spell, and it... I would agree that I'm more into the actual... Once the quest part of the film starts, but nothing in the preamble bothered me. Like, the preamble was... Kind of, like I said, like, more, like... i guess it was more like what i was expecting of just like oh this is him kind of in not populist mode but slightly more accessible mode but just doing something a little more interesting than old man and the gun uh and then it turns into a more uh a much more ethereal thing uh but i guess that didn't I think it didn't really surprise me I guess just because I know that he's capable of doing both of those things uh it was more like I was just kind of delighted once I realized "Ooh, he's doing the thing that I like him to do uh no yeah I mean for sure there was like a moment where I was like yeah this is a
3: ghost story this is what this is gonna be this is just like Mm -hmm. a very internal like drama he's gonna do a lot of like different stuff with like the framing and some of the shots to communicate that sort of th- of a thing, and I, and that, that I mean, that's when I was the most into it. I mean, I think the, Lynch, the work yeah. J- Andrew Dross Palermo does is like incredible. I mean, I've, like if there's like any through line through both of these movies, that they're just like sort of incredible looking, and there's nothing like mm-hmm. it. Like, and also like the VFX team, like I guess I don't know like the names of all those people, but like the part with mm-hmm. the giants were, was the part where I was, like there is nothing in a movie that has ever looked like that and that cool and that good i don't think
5: mm-hmm. the the lunchpin for me like separating the two parts of the movie is the arthur performance what's the name of the guy from fallout who's playing the the king Sean harris yeah i think that yes. that performance is not in the same movie that edgerton and vikander are and mm-hmm. that that um you know the rest of the the rest of the movie is that that feels more like i'm going to be giving a a what i think is a a interesting yeah. modern rest- look at king arthur or whatever you know as opposed to being in tune with the actual tune of what this movie yeah. specifically no is.
3: i maybe disagree on like the take i feel like he's giving a real like i am king arthur performance and then the rest mm. of the movie is a lot more modern than he is and a lot more mm. modern than that section is right
4: yeah, i, I that's mean that's fair right Dev yeah.
3: patel an actor i think is very good and cool and i think he's been giving a lot of interesting performances like uh god I forgot like David Copperfield a movie I don't really like that much I think he's sort of giving a weirdly incredible performance and that I think he's giving like a very tough task in that movie to play like a sort of manic dreamy sort of person and like genuinely makes it charming and interesting the whole way through I don't know like I can't even put my finger on what the performance he's giving here even is. And I, I I don't even think that in a bad way. I don't like, it's not like I'm like, he's giving a bad performance. It's just like, if you ask me to recall what any aspect of it, of this performance is or what he's going for, I can't really like give you a, like, I can't really describe it in any way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. I, I think I really responded to the performance. Like the the th- weird the thematic thread that i really latched onto was like that of his ambition right and like the way that he wants to like f- feel like he's earned a spot right and like how how he gets that spot like through what is like a deceptively easy way right like the green knight shows up and then like offers him this like challenge And then, like, it's like the easiest thing in the world. He offers no resistance. He Mm -hmm. and, and like, I like the thing I really get hung up on is like, well, the original challenge was that he would return whatever blow he gave. So why did Dev Patel? Why did Gawain give a fatal blow to him? Right. He, like, he, why did he choose th- to behead him? He does not have like, very could... good
5: uh, reading comprehension. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and like everyone asks, like, do you understand what this challenge is? And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm ready to do this. And like, right. the Green Knight like offers his neck, and like, I want like it, like sealing his fate in that way, and so so that he plays into the in, in and becomes like that tale of like is he gonna go along with this? Is he gonna, like, give it, like, will he abandon it at any point and, like, give up that, like, glory that he mm-hmm. craves in exchange for, like, a life with, like, a person who he can love and things like that? Like, I don't know. Like, I think, like, it's ha- it's tackling all that stuff in a really interesting way. Weirdly, the... the... The work of art that I most connected it to, uh, in my mind, was weird. Was, was Hamilton, weirdly, which I think is similarly like about ambition and about like what you are trying to achieve, uh, in your name and like for for greatness and like what you're willing to to put up with in in that way. Like I I don't like I just like that thematic territory. I think is so rich and like such an interesting thread. And I think Patel does like he like there's a certain amount of him that has to be a blank slate for it to work. And I think he's able to pull that off in a way where like, it doesn't hurt the performance at all. Like the, the opaqueness that he is like that the movie demands of him, I think is still some, he still manages to be like super compelling and you feel like there's a lot going on there even though, like you h- often have no idea what it is. That was a lot of stuff I just yeah. threw at them. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But it's like it's yeah, it's a movie that I've real like that. I think there's like it's a really a movie to like to go off on tangents in your head while you watch, yeah, which I definitely. think is like really fun. Um.
5: Yeah, I also would really like to rewatch the movie. Um. Mm-hmm. Because I think it is, um, like, the movie becomes a different thing as it as it progresses, and I would really like to rewatch it and and reevaluate how the first half of the movie fits in with that. You know, um, mm-hmm. I was thinking because you know I don't know what part of this is in the poem or whatever, and what what Lowry mm-hmm. came up with, but. I do think that it is really interesting, the, um, the sort of progression of the various things that he comes across on his on his right.
0: path. And- my, my impression is that the poem is most, most of the middle section of the poem is the Vikander Edgerton stuff. And then the end of the poem is just, he kneels down to let the green knight return the blow and then the green knight's like okay you passed the test you can go see that would not have been my
5: guess I would have guessed that the Vikander Edgerton stuff would have been an invention for this story That's and that the rest of it would have been you know just your classic quest he goes here he right, sees some yeah. giants and right. whatever and then and then I, he yeah. like they add on to it to give it more Depths right from
0: from leading from reading the summary, it seems like it's a little yeah. less like episodic.
2: Right there, like I know, like the the beheaded woman, he like is like inspired by like a separate story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um, I think the Keegan Barry Keegan sequence is like is it has like a separate inspiration that's not directly sure. from the poem like there's like a couple of those episodes i think that are just like well we could put this in here like yeah you know, to um yeah i mean i guess thinking about the all those things does anyone have any like of the episodes that were standout or or like were were less exciting like I
0: don't um know, really, i mean i kind of like the giants i kind of like all of them i was gonna say about keegan they it's a great example of something I was talking about the other day where, like, there's, I think we, I was specifically saying this about Tony Collette, that most of her performances over the last five years are just if you like the movie you're gonna be like this performance is great and if you don't like the movie you're gonna be like this performance is annoying and then someone said to me uh that basically describes like most of the like big ooh this should have gotten an oscar nomination performances of the last like five to ten years which i definitely understand like i think of like jake gyllenhaal in nightcrawler like phoenix and you were never really there's a ton of performances like that and keegan and this is a great example where like i know people love him in killing of a sacred deer and i think he's good but i'm mostly just annoyed by that performance because i'm annoyed by that movie whereas he's giving the exact same performance in this movie and i'm like oh this is so fun look at look at Keegan being a little shit he's bad news look out Uh Uh, so yeah I like that bit uh I think the the headless woman is really great uh I think Edgerton and Vikander are both giving really excellent performances
5: yeah that that sequence is my absolute favorite part of the movie other than the ending um it just I mean it that's when it is working on every level for me at the same time mm-hmm. um everybody in that sequence is really great it is unnerving and beautiful at the same time which i think is kind of the goal of what you you should be feeling during the uh the the quest is is fear and um like intrigue you know what i mean like at the same time um mm-hmm. and it just is i don't know i guess having to other human people around also just in general helps with um you know being able to I get not not focus but being able to you know connect in in, in a certain way yeah. but um mm-hmm. I I I really do like all of the quest stuff and and most of the uh the village stuff as well yeah
3: i mean yeah. weirdly i mean i sort of enjoy the movie when it's, it at, it's at its like least people i guess it's like the Barry Keegan stuff is fun, but the best part is, like, when he's just, like, lying in the grass and there's, like, that sure. shot that Jesse mentioned, that, like, transition point. I li- I love the giants. I love just him and the little fox. I enjoy when he, like, trips on mushrooms. Like, all those periods <laughs> of, like, transition from him, like, getting somewhere and just, like, the, the strangeness that reveals, uh, like, that revealed itself of this world. It's just, like the to me the most captivating part and also like the design of the gray knight and that entire like place where he lives Mm -hmm. in i mean it's just like obviously i shout out this i shout out shouted out the cinematography and the cgi but also like shout outs to them for finding places that just look incredible and only shooting Mm -hmm. in places Mm -hmm. that
5: look very good the Mm -hmm. uh, all the outdoor cinematography is breathtaking the rest of it is great too but like the outdoor stuff i was just like this is Insane <laughs> um, to look at. Just incredible. Um,
2: yeah. Good use of fonts. We love a font. Right. The title cards, I think, are pretty fun. I like the title cards. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Vikander double casting thing is like, I. I don't know how I feel about that because like I've also like I've seen a lot of people be like I did not realize that was two separate people like until like <laughs> I was informed afterwards like or what like it's very, sure. like I, yeah, I mean it I was don't like know. A, a, again
3: a question my sister asked me at the end of the movie and I and it's like I have no answer for I don't I don't know what the situation what was there
2: right
5: I remember thinking um, in the first because I didn't know who was in it like I remember thinking in the first bit of the movie I was like this looks like almost like alicia vikander <laughs> i was like <laughs> um, i was like i i guess i just haven't seen her in a movie in a while is this is this her am i i mean I she well, well i've
0: it's heard right i mean i've heard the opposite thing which is i've heard people be like she's not someone who really registers for me uh i don't really know what she looks like and i didn't register that that was the same person playing right. both of those roles yes yeah that's the thing i've heard more yeah but, um, which is interesting i mean she's Been in plenty of movies I don't care to see, but she's never not gonna (laughs) register for me after I am easy to find, uh, which is uh, also in that kind of uh, ghost story mode. Uh,
5: It's great to see her, you know, because
0: she's kind of been
5: in a in a, for lack of a better term, fallow period. I mean, you know, she's been in interesting things, but she's also been in a lot of uh, tulip fevers. You know, (laughs) Um, so it's Mm. just it was really great to see her and it was also great to see edgerton uh doing yeah. really great stuff really great voice work from him in this movie 100 yeah. percent.
0: yes i mean
3: he's it, i it's just like he's very good in the underground railroad which i have not finished
0: yeah, say right. it's
3: not, but I mean, it. it I guess it, it is sort of like they're sort of similar things in that they're both like sort of these like odyssey journey things, and there's like yes. weird. There's like random appearances by Joel Egerton but uh, yeah, he's like <laughs> he's an actor I think is maybe more interesting than good. I think he he's a guy. Hmm. I guess he. I think he has very good taste. I think I'll say that. I think he sure. he's like very good at like. Picking stuff to be in and I think right. he has used his weird stardom in interesting ways and to make different interesting things and I appreciate yes. that aspect of him more than I, it's like I think his performance in this movie is like pretty good. I think Vikandra's great.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: He's someone who I pretty much always like. I mean uh, Uncle, Uncle I love, when him, we love him, him in yeah, I love him in loving. Uh yes, that I was, was sure. what I was gonna say. I think he's really excellent in that. Uh and good in Midnight Special too, the other Nichols movie he did yeah. uh I mean people always talk about Shannon and Nichols, but I'd watch Edgerton and Mike Nichols movies like forever. Uh
2: Yes. I think I've seen both of his directorials. Jeff efforts. Nichols, I wanna say. Mm. You said Mike Nichols. I just wanted to clarify that it is Jeff
0: Nichols. Um, did I say? <laughs> yes, I meant Jeff Nichols. Uh, if um, Mike Nichols wanted to come back from the dead and direct a uh, Joel Edgerton movie, that'd be fine, too.
2: Sure, yeah, they'd be, probably work well together. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I've seen both his directorial efforts. I don't, I don't remember much about The Gift, although I think I liked it. Boy Erased is kind of a nothing movie, unfortunately.
0: The Gift is fine. I also yeah. don't remember anything about that movie. The, the Gift? gift? Uh, Edgerton could do... What's the... Re- he could do Angels in America again, and Edgerton could be... Uh, what's his name? Lewis? No. You no. know... Oh, what? what?
2: Oh, you... um The... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Wilson and...
0: Yeah, um, I think that's us. right. Um, uh, I'm, uh, the character
2: name. What the this hell is, is his name? This is doing terrible things for my street cred right now. <laughs> um, uh, <revving frequencies> uh, Joe Pitt, thank you. Joe Pitt, yeah, you'd be a
0: good Joe Pitt. He's been in a lot of movies, I'll say. <laughs> yeah?
2: Yes, he does work.
3: I forgot that he, he was just in The King. Right? He's obviously the star of Bright.
0: Mm hmm.
4: It, it comes, comes at night. It, yeah, right? it comes that's at night. Now.
0: Right, that's him. He's, he's good enough. Fine in that. Yeah, Zero Dark Thirty Great Cassie. Not an especially good movie, but he's good in it.
3: I mean, great Gatsby for me is again. It's like the perfect example of like. I think it's cool that he's in that movie. His his performance is just sort of like ah, uh, it's it's just, it's just like honeymoon. Yeah,
0: yeah, that one. I'm. He's like, like
2: extremely pure. sweaty the
3: whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
5: it's, just like, I, it's just like <laughs> why, it's just like why the whole time. That is just, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. He seems to be guy. kind of out of the. Let's. Let's put him in like the third or fourth role in a in a major blockbuster kind of mode at this point, right?
0: Yeah, he made. Is he going to be in the
2: Obi Wan series? In the, did they announce that? Yes, I feel they, like did. they did. Yes, he, he will be
3: oh. Uncle Owen. And Obi Wan can help me. <laughs> Okay.
2: I mean, but that's a series, so who knows um, how much time it demands of him. Um,
5: They'll probably make him into like an action star in that show. Give him. Uncle Sure, always. yeah, <laughs> the, the uncle
2: and aunt Baru action extravaganza. Yeah, I mean, don't put it past them. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, what do we think of? But yeah, I mean, yeah. go ahead. What do we think of
5: the ending of The Green Knight? Yeah, that's
2: like the last right. big thing I guess to talk about, yeah. which is like,
0: um, I loved it. Yeah, it's a good thing to do.
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, like, I think it's, like, very, like, it's, like, the logical conclusion of, like, what yeah. you're doing with this movie, right? Is like, and then we'll do, like, an ambiguous ending where it's, like, which one is the truth and which one, like, and that sort of thing. But I think it really works, and I think he, like, really just goes balls to the wall with, like, the... Just like crazy imagery and all that stuff to make it like yeah. really like enthralling and exciting. Yeah, yeah. I um, love the
5: uh, the girl with the red ribbon thing. <laughs> you know that old ghost story where he yeah. pulls mm-hmm. off the mm-hmm. thing and his head mm-hmm. pulls off. Mm-hmm. Just great. I mean, yeah, it was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, the, that the dev skull. Yeah,
3: I mean that is like the perfect example of like my thought feelings in the movie of just like in the moment. I think it's great. It's shot fantastic. It's very exciting. And then like thinking about it, I'm like, eh, did that does that work hundred percent? Because it's like. I don't know. In my mind, it isn't ambiguous at all. It's just, like, he thinks about this one thing that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen, and then he decides to go through with it, and that's the end of the movie. Like, if it's ambiguous, I guess, whether or not the Green Knight, like, chops his head off or not. Like, that's the the note on, like, in which it it is unclear. But,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: uh, yeah, I I think, like, if the sequence wasn't so good, I think I would maybe have fully turned on the movie, but I think the sequence is, like, pretty astonishingly made, and I think yeah, like, as you said, the, the stuff with the rib and and the way they age Patel, and I think that aspect of the performance is very good. And I think that mm-hmm. I think it's, like, expertly, expertly made and gorgeous, like the rest of the film.
5: I like the implication that he's, you know, a coward as a knight, and he'd be a coward as a king, and that, you know, that it would lead to the ruin of his kingdom or whatever. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Because he just would be not be making decisions and being (laughs) like just whatever. I mean, we don't know what, Mm -hmm. what caused that sort of thing, but I do really like that implication that, you know, this is the best you've got going for you. If you go back, you know, is Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: For sure. All right. Yeah. I think that's probably it. I mean, good movie. I do recommend one of my favorites of the year so far. Definitely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Even if just to look at
3: it it is worth, right. yeah. Yeah. Your money.
2: Yeah, and I guess Lowry up next is doing Peter Pan for Disney again. Yeah, and then I don't think we've heard any hint of what his next one for me is gonna be, but I'm I sure we'll so. we'll get that uh, soon yeah. after.
5: Is um after uh, is Rooney Mara playing uh, Tiger Lily again?
2: I sure hope not. I don't think (laughs) so. I mean, it's like. I don't
3: know. Listen, if he wants to make. I assume they pitched him on multiple things, and that's what he decided he wants to make. I am of the opinion nobody should ever make a Peter Pan movie ever again. It is. (laughs) Not that's movie. that's another well trod right. territory for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, I mean, it's both I guess, like, like... well trod and not trod well. I think, or <laughs> just like, at least yeah. with King Arthur, you can be like, they made Excalibur like that's a great movie. There's other things to be made there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know right. if there's a lot of things to be mined from the Peter Pan well that you do that you want to mine. Yeah. King
2: is me though. Come <laughs> on, no, thank you. I mean, I like sure. Joe
3: Wright, and you cannot and I, you cannot pay me money to watch Pan. So, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yes, uh, an
2: donate actress... five dollars to our coffee and make Amelia watch Pan, please. <laughs> <Got you>. mm-hmm. <laughs> an actress
0: named Alyssa Wapenatak has been cast as Tiger Lily, uh, a Canadian actress who is a member of the Big Stone Cree First Nation.
5: Better than Tiger Lily,
0: for, or better than Rooney Mara, for sure. <laughs> yeah. let right, step up from there. Let's, yep. let's see uh, how they handle the material. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll look out for uh, the next one. Nobody uh,
3: here will watch or has ever watched Wendy, right? Ain't...
0: No. Ben no.
2: Zeitlin? <laughs> <Island? Yeah. laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean... I guess I'm not horror like I'm not life-endingly opposed to watching it. Right? Mean, sure, if but if you
0: if were going to watch it, it, you would yeah, have already. It's, like,
3: it's not even like I'm. De- like I'm insanely. Right. Op- I think it's like on it's HBO. It's not even like I'm insanely opposed to it. It's just like why? It's just like why would anybody do right. that? Yeah. But anyway, I think yeah.
2: <laughs> look look for our episode on the on that and the uh, what the other one the one that's. Uh, uh, oh, Peter Jesus. Pan With meets um, Oh, Come Away Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that of the the forgotten Sundance movies about mm-hmm. fairy tales from 2019 or whatever.
5: I mean, yeah. Come Away is is, is is might as well knock out the two most overdone like things in, in sure. one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh-huh. But that movie, I except don't. It, know. It, I didn't yeah, except it.
0: it didn't knock them out because it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ethan uh what would you like to yes. plug
5: i have a podcast um called heavy metal it's about scooby-doo um three of the four hosts of this podcast have guested on heavy metal uh maybe four out of four at some point if i can convince amelia we'll see um but it is it's it's just a, a, a show we talk about an episode of scooby-doo every week um jesse picked an episode that she really liked and then andy and colin both picked episodes that they really did not enjoy um so okay. that i is... mean you
2: didn't enjoy them either they were no, bad episodes. True. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, you know, <laughs> That is, depending
5: on which which mood you're in for you can you got one or the other if you're wanting to check it out um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i've got another episode yeah. coming up and don't let me forget that I have a special segment for that episode. Oh,
5: I can't! I cannot wait, Jesse.
0: I. Is it just
5: OG Scooby Doo?
0: It's when it's whatever.
5: It's anything and everything.
2: Any episode of any Scooby Doo. Yep.
5: Yep. Mm-hmm. Have anybody yeah. done a
3: pupping Scooby Doo a... episode?
5: Uh, they have, but that yeah. doesn't mean we can't do it again, Emilio. That's I'm my Scooby
0: Doo. Throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yep. uh all right, that's what I got great yes that's thank heavy you so much for metal, this, metal
5: spelled like meddling kids mm-hmm. yes,
0: and that's just the
2: what it's on Twitter that's the username yeah, it's on it. Spotify
5: yeah. it right will hopefully be on Apple podcasts eventually whenever I can mm.
0: get things mm-hmm. over on
5: Apple <laughs> but
0: yeah yeah sure. Apple Pain very difficult uh. You can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It. You can follow us on Letterboxd at C I K I Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at JCP Glick Weber. I am plugging the ten funniest people right now. Uh not in any particular order, but the second person I'm going to say is Tim Robinson. Just yes. You kind of just have to. It's
3: see. just a classic, yep. just a classic pick. I mean, your two picks so yep. far have just been like really obvious classics. So I'm wondering if you've yep. come up with the list at all, or just saying people who absolutely <laughs> have to be on this list.
0: <laughs> uh, there's some other people on the long list.
2: Who was last week? It was last week was Jason Manzukis. Jason Manzukis, right? Of course, yes.
5: Another funny person. I mean, you can't be yeah. angry yeah. with it <laughs> it's true.
0: Last week was a big preamble. The plan going forward is that I just say a name, but we failed at that sure. this week.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we really are dwelling on it. Are, are you done, Jesse? Is that all you have?
0: Uh, I have a protracted bit that I want to do, but I'm not going to.
2: I'm so proud of you. Um, I will start doing my stuff then. My name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy Germ, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M on Twitter, Letterboxd, etc., etc., um, for a personal plug this week, uh, I don't think I've mentioned it yet. I saw Stillwater and Stillwater's really solid and everyone should go see it. Can recent, can, uh, film. Uh, can I think it's a Western. really, yeah, I think it's a really interesting Matt Damon performance. I think the supporting performances are are really good. There's a really good kid performance in it that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I think it's well worth seeing. You should check out Stillwater if it's still playing near you. I agree with Andy,
5: Um, and it almost definitely is still playing near you. I think that one will be just hanging around forever. (laughs) Sure.
2: Yeah, that's a real, like, dad wants to see it, like, 10 weeks into the run kind of movie. Um, uh, If you like what the show is doing in general and want to help support us, you can donate to our coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash cani, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Uh, the aforementioned, uh, if you want to force Emilio to watch a movie against his will, such as perhaps Pan uh, or Wendy, uh, you can pay us five dollars, and he will watch it and review it on his letterbox. That is his guarantee to you. Uh, and I think that's all I got, Emilio. Uh,
3: yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Left Alone, and you can follow me on Letterbox at I Laugh Alone. My plug this week will be for the new. Boldy James Alchemist album, Bo Jackson. It's a pr- very good rap album. I enjoy it very much. And in particular, I'd like to recommend the song "Fake Flowers," which is the second song this year, the second rap song this year, to mention the city of Cannes, France. So I have to shout it out. Mm. Uh, our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at SoundCloud.com slash Tree Related or search Tree Related on Spotify. And that's all.
0: Alright, then I will go ahead and release our audience. Bye. Bye-bye.
4: But honey, I'll be seeing you.